everyone. This is episode 709 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, February 28th, 2020. Don't I usually say 2020? I'm pretty sure I do. And who am I? I am your host, Marcus Nez. I have a lot to talk about today. I'm not going to say that much about everything because some things I just don't have much to say about, but there's a lot on here. And by on here, I mean this list that I'm looking at that you can't see. There's maybe like a dozen games that I've played to various degrees. Some, you know, 15, 30 minutes. Some four hours. One of them only four hours. And you know what? That's one of the games I like the least. But I played it for four hours because it just required extra time. But yeah, I'm going to get through this quickly, hopefully, because... I am recording this much later than usual. It is 7.41 p.m. Central Time, and I am an early sleeper. I don't go to bed at this time. It's just, it just turned to 7.42. I'm already losing time. But I do go to bed earlier than most, so I'd like to record this, edit it and all that, and get it out before the day is over. I don't want it to be a day late. And I'm pretty sure this is another Attack the Backlog week, which means I'll have to post something on Sunday. I think I'm going to go with Control, but I'm not sure. There's also some Xbox Series X news that came out this week. And yeah, you can look that up if you want. I don't think it was all that exciting or interesting. I want to see the price. What they revealed wasn't anything particularly new. People are making a big hubbub about this smart delivery thing, which is a stupid word phrase for the the feature which isn't exactly backward slash forward compatibility but more so that at least it sounds like the equivalent of xbox one x enhanced games for the series x which is just to say that a game you get like cyberpunk 2077 you'll have the xbox one version which looks horrible if it even runs the xbox one x version which looks pretty okay and then the series x version which looks pretty damn good Uh, instead of having to buy a second copy of it like we saw a lot of during the early years of this gen with stuff like sleeping dogs the definitive edition all these definitive editions and remasters so that doesn't mean we won't see any of those this isn't a thing a policy that They are forcing upon third-party publishers and all that, but it's something that they will be doing themselves with their games and will, you know, allow third parties to partake in if they want. And Cyberpunk, uh, what is their name of the studio? Cyberpunk Witcher 3 CD Projekt Red came out immediately. It was like, yep, we're doing this. Nobody should be forced to buy the same game twice. So... That's nice, but I didn't think it was some amazing bit of news. Anywho, let's get to what I have been playing. And there's a lot of stuff. And I'm going I'm to list it all right now so you know what to look forward to, maybe? We've got One Finger Death Punch 2, Darksiders Genesis, Glass Masquerade 2, Under Hero. <laughs> I don't know why I said Under Hero. Weird, or maybe I didn't say it weird. It sounded weird coming out of my mouth. And going into my ear hole. So there's that. Thief Simulator. Hovership Havoc. Bucket Knight. 
Vasilis, Spaceland, Bunny Parking, Broken Lines, and Townsman, A Kingdom Rebuilt. So, One Finger Death Punch, two. I believe the first game was an Xbox Live indie game back in the XNA days, but I'm not entirely sure. Either way, it is a one-button game where, not one-button game, a one-finger game. You only need one finger to play it, and you press two buttons. I am playing this and everything, I believe, on the Xbox One. Everything on the Xbox One except for Broken Lines, which I played on the Switch. And it's problematic on the Switch. But One Finger Death Punch, you use the X and the B buttons to attack in the left direction and the right direction. And it's reminiscent of the old NES game Kung Fu, but instead of controlling the character and progressing to the left or to the right... You are stationary and enemies come to you. And then when they enter your reach on either side, you press either button and then you will immediately kill them unless they are a stronger enemy, which you'll be able to see on screen by a a certain number of bars. And then it'll take multiple hits. Maybe some enemies will take multiple hits, but they'll be two different colored bars, which means they will switch to the other side after the first hit. And some enemies can throw weapons at you, which you then, when the thrown weapon comes within range you can deflect it you can catch it you can dodge it uh, and it all depends on the color of the enemy you don't have to press a different button for these different actions which is really nice it makes it very simple and a a really great bite-sized experience i really like the first game and i really enjoyed this one i think it's on switch and if it is and you have a switch that is definitely i'd say unless there's some kind of performance issue which i wouldn't imagine there being but this is the perfect game for Switch because it's a great handheld portable experience uh, given its simplistic nature and bite-sized uh, content. But it's it's really fun, and I do like that it is truly a one-button experience and that they don't try and overcomplicate it by giving you other buttons to press for these various actions. So, you know, if an enemy throws a knife at you, you don't have to press Y to dodge it, B to deflect it, A to catch it, or or X to, I don't know what you would do to just like let it take you in and and murder you. Uh, I like that it's just the X and the B button. And they they change things up by having certain like boss type enemies who once you initiate the first attack, you'll then have a quick-ish moving uh, sequence of button presses that are kind of like a rhythm game, but there's no music or anything going on with them. And enemies that when they're in range and you hit them, it'll slow down time. And when you get into a nice groove and combo a bunch of enemies, you'll be able to attack people outside of range just once. And it's got a really nice flow. I I really, really like the game. And I like the visual style. It's got that type of not stick figure aesthetic, but... it's like the old, if you remember AOL Instant Messenger, the old AIM logo. It basically looks like that dude. That's who you play as and who the other characters look like. You're white, and then the other ones are shades of blue and red, I believe. And then there are other colors for like the enemies who throw stuff at you. 
green ones will give you health. I think uh, I'm not entirely sure, but it's it's a lot of fun and doesn't require a lot of thinking, which is nice. Then Darksiders Genesis is the latest game in the Darksiders series, which is a very interesting series in terms of the games that have come out for it at this stage in the game. This is the fourth one. I don't know if I just said that, but uh, all four games have been different to some extent. The first game was very much so a Legend of the Legend of the Zelda. Legend of the Zelda. There's only one Zelda. I mean, is there technically only one the Zelda? Or are there multiple Zeldas? I don't know. I'm not huge into the Zelda games. I'm not, I'm not against them. I just haven't played that many of them. But uh, the first Dark Siders was very much a Zelda game. I don't need to say Legend of Zelda. Very much so. Uh, I was gonna say Legend of Zelda game. Very much so a Zelda game. And the second one, I believe, opened up the world a bit more and didn't make it as linear, but. It was very much so a loot-driven game uh, that I didn't really get into. I'd like to go back to it and, and mess around with it a bit more. The third game I haven't played at all, but from what everyone has said everywhere for Infinity and beyond, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, Darksiders 3 is basically a Souls game. And now Genesis, which isn't a numbered game, so it's not a real Darksiders game. That's not true. It's basically a Diablo, Torchlight, Titan Quest, etc. game. It is an isometric action RPG, and it's not too bad. It introduces a new character to the series. As far as I know, you can play as Strife or, from the very first game, War. And if you're playing by yourself, you can switch between them at any time. You can ride a mount, a little horsey. If you're playing with a buddy, you can do co-op. It's only two-player co-op. And the characters do play somewhat differently, uh, just so much so in the fact that Strife has two pistols, and you can play it, though not very well, as a twin-stick shooter. I say not very well because his guns aren't super powerful. They're... Not as weak as Dante's pistols, but they're not going to do a lot of damage against stronger enemies. So they're they're more so of a, a way to deal with fodder and weaker enemies and to push them back a little bit, I guess. I I don't know their their best use. And then War plays very much so like he did in the the main games. You're a melee brute. You can block and you can pull off finishing moves when you weaken an enemy enough. And they both have the ability to shoot out like a soul-ish arm to pull enemies in and attack them that way, which is pretty nice. And like I said, you can mount a horse at any time, which I I would only really use for maneuvering the world quicker. Uh, It doesn't really give you any benefits when attacking or anything like that. And it's it's all right. It feels pretty good. It looks pretty good. And the story seems all right. But I have one big problem with the game. And this isn't the only game that has a problem in this, this aspect. The thing that is really killing the experience for me right now with Genesis is the fact that you can't see yourself on the map. So when you are navigating the world, which 
admittedly isn't super open, but there was a time very early on where I saw a chest that I must have missed in the earlier part of the level. I jumped off and then I was like, wait, where where do I have to go? And I, I opened the map and I was like, where, where am I on this thing? And then I was walking around thinking I was going in the direction of a point on the map. And I was just trying to figure out where I was by doing that. And then I realized that, no, all I, all I did was go back exactly where I came. Because there were no enemies there. I'm like, why are there no enemies here? What's going on? And I just walked back to the starting point. And then I had to make my way through this empty area again. And that was really boring and annoying. And I just don't understand why they don't show your position on the map. They do highlight the area the section you're in so that'll be flashing but outside of that there's no way of knowing where you are on the map until you reach like a a monument or something of note that's on the map and you're like okay i'm pretty sure this is where i am and i just think that's dumb and it makes navigating and exploring the world annoying and does not encourage going off and, and exploring the world, uh, it really just encourages continuously moving forward and, and not seeing what else is there potentially, which is frustrating because that's something I like to do in these games. And yeah, it's it's a game that uh, if you like these types of game action RPGs, the isometric action RPGs, it's worth checking out because it does feel good and it plays well. But if you... I, it's weird because I say if you haven't played Diablo 3 yet, play that instead. But I feel like anyone who's been interested in Diablo 3 has already played it at this point. But if you're somehow the person who hasn't played either and you're like, I want to play one of these. And you're like, oh, maybe I'll play Darksiders because I'm more interested in that universe and world. I'd still say play Diablo 3 because in these types of games, the story isn't all that important. And from what I've played, the story is fine in Genesis, but it's not going to really do anything special. Uh, as well as it plays, Diablo 3 plays better. Diablo 3 is better in almost every regard, if not every regard. So, yeah. Don't don't play it over Diablo 3. But it's a, it's a decent enough game. Then there's Glass Masquerade 2, which is a game about putting together puzzles circular puzzles they're always circular I, I talked and reviewed the first game a while ago I don't know how long ago it was and I really liked it and I really like this one the thing that stands out most about this series is the art it's got this beautiful stained glass aesthetic that really pops and has a wonderful unique color palette that just makes the game stand out from a visual standpoint. And then the puzzles are very relaxing. I think there is a hard difficulty you can do, which I haven't messed around with, so I don't exactly know how that changes things up. But in the regular puzzle mode, it will give you six or eight pieces that are not exactly highlighted, but they'll have like a little circle on them. And then there will be little circular notches on the board which will allow you to get a 
start, a head start on the puzzle putting together thing. Uh, putting, uh, give you a head start and putting together the puzzle. And then after that, you take all the other pieces and you put the puzzle together. And then when it's finished, you get to see the final piece of artwork in its glory. And what I like about it and what makes it very easy, and, and this may turn some people off who want more of a challenge, though again, maybe the hard difficulty, which I think is there, would do that for you. What makes it very relaxing and, and very easy is the fact that when you pick up a piece to put it in the puzzle after you've taken the, the ones that have the notches in them, they will always be orientated in the right position. So you don't have to rotate it or anything. It'll always be orientated in the way it will or is supposed to be in the puzzle when completed, which takes a lot takes away a lot of the challenge and and thought process required when putting together a puzzle. And you know these puzzles don't have a significant number of pieces. Uh, you know the most one might have is I don't know around sixty or so, but yeah. It's a it's a very nice relaxing game with beautiful art that I really like. Outside of the overworld map or whatever it is, where you go through this branching path to get to these puzzles, I just think it's overly complicated and a bit cluttered. And I just I just want to do the puzzles, and then I'm seeing all these things. I'm like, this is very busy, and I why is this so busy? I just want to get to the puzzles and I'm trying to move around. I'm like, am I on the next puzzle or am I still on the last puzzle? It's just annoying in that sense. And uh, Under Hero is a game where you start off as the hero, super leveled up, like 999 level and, you know, 999 health, all all that good jazz. You're going to stop the bad guy, rescue the princess and save the day. And on your way there, you change or the perspective changes to a few of the cronies the the basic enemies who are having a conversation about how they're going to trick you or whatever they're going to stop you and then they're going to be praised for that and on your way to the final boss room like the throne room you get stopped by a few of the cronies and when you're getting ready to attack them a giant chandelier i believe falls on top of you and kills you this happens right away. It's not a spoiler. And one of the cronies just happened to pull the switch and initiate the trap while his two buddies were still hanging around uh, over there and, and kills you in the process along with his buddies. And when he returns, or I think some... Because he the, there's like a... Not a crown, but like some part of the hero that is this talking, sentient bit of armor or whatever. And... He talks to you or whatever, and you take him, blah, blah, blah. You go back to the the big bad, and, and he finds out what happens. And he's like, oh, well, I don't need the princess anymore. You're free to go. You get out of here. And she cries because the, the hero is dead. And the big bad boss is like, well, these three relics that the hero is supposed to get or something, uh, you got to go give them back to the, the rightful owners. So then you are sent on a quest to return these three relics to their rightful owners as the underhero, I guess. And there's platform. It's a, it's a action 
platform. Not so much action because the, the combat is turn-based, which is interesting in a side-scrolling platformer. And the way it works is that when you get into the eyesight of an enemy, it'll initiate uh, the turn-based combat. And you have a stamina meter. You can attack. And you can only attack so much before your stamina goes that completely down. And then you'll be completely defenseless for a while if you let that happen. And in addition to attacking, you can dodge enemy attacks by either jumping or ducking. And the enemies will give you visual tells, visual cues to let you know whether they'll be attacking high or low. And if you successfully dodge their attack, your stamina meter will replenish much quicker. So there's uh, incentive to dodge at the right time and not just in, like with ducking, you can just duck right away and you won't get as much of a boost. With jumping, you do have to time it right. The combat is all right. Jumping is a, it's okay. And the visuals are, it's got pixel art, but there's something about it that lacks character uh it, it didn't grab me visually and and mechanically gameplay wise i wasn't super into it the comment was all right but jumping around the world i wasn't overly fond of doing that and the story didn't do anything for me i, I was amused by seeing myself get killed right away i was like huh i'm dead but outside of that i wasn't really feeling the story that much i you have to pay attention to the story because i was initially lost very early on. i was like wait where where do i go what am i doing right now and i had to find out exactly where my apartment was so that i could grab something so that i could then leave the place but yeah you can talk to a lot of people in this opening area and none of them have anything particularly interesting to say it, it's it's okay i guess but it just didn't really do much for me then thief simulator is a game simulating being a thief first person <laughs> it's super janky and it reminds me visually i don't know how many people listening will have played this i think i don't know maybe a lot of people play this but it reminds me visually of postal 2 though i don't i i guess it's a little bit better than postal 2 it just has that kind of weird grossness uh it doesn't look that great and the whole thing is you're a thief and you break into people's houses you steal their shit then you sell them you level up you go on more missions to steal other shit it's just it's really clunky it looks like crap it it's not a great simulator as far as stealing shit goes the first job you go on, you get some information off the dark web about this place. And one of the bits of information, because it's the tutorial house, is that there is no... Like, this isn't word for word, but one of the bits of information is basically, there is no one at home ever. I'm like, okay. So this is just an empty home that I don't have to worry about. And the the funny thing is, every time you leave this town, the the, the first area, and return outside of money that you find in these houses that you collect for yourself, any object you steal will be replaced and you can just steal it again. And I had to do this because very early on in the story, when I was going through it, I was like, okay, now I want you to 
buy this lockpick. And I'm like, well, I can't buy it yet because I don't have the XP. And I was like two XP short. I'm like, oh, I guess I must have missed something or whatever and didn't get enough XP like I was supposed to. And then I had to grind to get enough XP so that I can get this stupid lockpicking skill and then could then buy a lockpick from the the store. Um, but yeah, it's not good and it's not funny good it's just kind of all right this is a, this is a thing uh, that doesn't look great doesn't feel great it's really annoying too with how you have to leave when you finish your job or just go out there by yourself and want to return to either sell your goods or return home to sleep so that you can go out again at night and there, there'll be people walking down the streets who notice you. Some houses will be with people in them, and they'll notice you. Uh, but when you're leaving, you have to uh, open your car door, sit in the car seat, turn on the ignition, and then drive away. I'm just like, why do I have to do all this? Just let me enter the car and let it start itself. Don't make me also have to sit in the car. At least I don't have to close the, the car door. I guess there's a plus there. And I'll, I had to steal a, a TV for one of these jobs. And it told me, you got to put this in the trunk of your car. And so I opened the trunk of my car, and it was like a hatchback. And I picked up the TV and tried putting it in there. And I was getting no button prompt. as like place in trunk or anything. And I was just like walking back and forth. And I, I would then press the drop button, and I would just drop it on the ground. And I was like, okay, that's not working. Then I noticed there's a throw button. So I threw the TV at my car, and... I lost money because I damaged my car, which annoyed me quite a bit. And eventually I was able to just like, after picking it up again, I'm just like walking back and forth side to side and like trying to find a right ankle and eventually placed itself in my trunk. But it annoyed me. It would have been great if it actually worked. If it was like, the thing you have to do is just throw that shit in your trunk, uh, which is how you transport a TV. And it was like, a, I'm pretty sure it was like a CRT TV. May have even been a black and white TV. Uh, so yeah, that tells you the kind of technology that's in this game. It's the kind of technology you'd find in a CRT. That's why it still looks like a postal game from, when was it? I don't know, 2002. I could be very wrong in that when it comes to that. Uh, then there's Hovership Havoc, which is a twin stick shooter where you can play as one of four ships. Uh, when you die, you go on these runs, playing through sections and then uh, bossy areas. And you are gaining levels. Uh, and when you die, start over from the beginning, but the levels you've earned over the, the course of a playthrough will remain. And the experience you acquire over the course of a level will remain. Uh, but and, and each ship has its own individual experience bar but the the thing is one doesn't look all that great two as a twin six shooter like i am very fond of twin six shooters in general i i am very not lenient i don't want to say but I, i'm overly fond of twin six shooters and I, I find myself enjoying a lot of them but this one hovership havoc doesn't look that great but when it comes to twin six shooters, visuals aren't super important. It's about the feel. And that is the, the biggest problem with Hovership Havoc. 
all of the ships feel pretty shitty. I don't like any of their main weapons. There is oddly, having four ships, there is oddly no ship with just a basic ass machine gun that shoots like two bullets straight forward. There's one that shoots like a plasma beam forward. There's one that shoots three bullet-ish things in a spread shot type of thing, which I found to be the most enjoyable of the bunch. Then there's a shotgun, which has a, a wider spread, but it's a shorter range and shoots more bullets. And then a what I think is supposed to be the machine gun equivalent that's like a plasma rifle. Not a rifle, because I already mentioned that one, but like, I, it ends up looking like a sparkler. So if you've ever had a sparkler... The old firework that all kids know because it's the one that you can use legally in some places, uh, though people get their illegal fireworks anyway. But it looks like a sparkler. So you're like, what? Jubilee from X-Men? And it seems like those bullets do no damage. I'm like, is this even doing anything to these enemies? There is inconsistent audio feedback sometimes i will be able to hear my bullets hitting an enemy and doing damage sometimes not and also there is inconsistent hit detection which is more frustrating in that i could be shooting at an enemy and then like i'm shooting them head on and a bullet will just go through an enemy and then the next bullet will hit them and the next one after that will go through like it, it was very weird and made it even more frustrating. Uh, so yeah, that, that that's a, a disappointing game. Bucket Knight is a platformer where you're playing a knight who has got to pay for his mortgage and alimony or whatever. He's just got a lot of bills to pay. And then this dude, the, the storytelling is all told visually as opposed to with text of, or anything like that. So it's like, hey, you need to pay for this in order to get money, you do these missions and you get stars. Stars will turn into money and everything's good and blah, 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 blah. And then you go on and do your missions where you're bucking night and you're jumping around. You got a gun and you're collecting coins, killing enemies, collecting fruit and stuff like that, uh, all to reach the portal at the end of a level. And you'll be graded when you, you get there based on how many enemies you killed and fruit you've collected and all that jazz. It's, Okay, it's a $5 game. Didn't really do much for me. Uh, I'm not really fond of the visuals. I, I didn't find it mechanically that uh, satisfying. I wasn't overly fond of the, the jump. Um, so yeah, Bucket Knight, whatever. It is it is what it is. Uh, Vasilis is an adventure game where the style trumps everything. It's got a sketchbook esque aesthetic that is very nice i'm really uh fond of the visual styling of vasilis and as it's an adventure game which i may have already said and you're playing as this old woman i didn't play much of it because i was immediately taken not taken aback i was, I was immediately annoyed by its confusing map where I'm pretty sure you're not on it as well. But even if you are on it, it's more... Like, the dark side of Genesis map looks like 
a super coherent, wonderful map in comparison to the Vasilis map, which is just this confusing look at mess of a thing. I'm like, what is this map? I open it up. I'm like, what the hell is this? Where am I? Where are all these things? What is all this crap? And that just bugged the crap out of me. And then what made it very off-putting and, and something I really hate whenever it, it it exists in games is that there is seemingly, in my time with it, seemingly no audio of any kind outside of a little like when you pick up something. But outside of that, there's no background music or ambient sounds. It's just quiet. And I find that very unsettling. And and maybe that's the intention. They want it to be unsettling. If that's the case, good for you. I don't like that. Uh, it's not an unsettling that makes me feel tense in, in the experience of the game or anything. It's it's unsettling like I don't it makes me feel weird in the real world and I don't I don't like it. Uh, Spaceland is an XCOM like a, a tactics game that I've talked about in the past when it came out on Switch and it just hit Xbox One and maybe PS4. I'm pretty sure it's on PS4, but I don't know if it came out on PS4 earlier. But I'm playing it on Xbox One now, and I really, really like this game. It's very simple, very easy. It's great for younger folk and for people who like that tactics gameplay, but don't want something that is overly difficult and brutal where you're going to lose all your teammates and they're going to be dead forever and stuff like that. Story-wise, I don't really care, but I like the look of it. It's a sci-fi game, you know, fighting against aliens and stuff like that with very sharp, clean visuals, a nice color palette, which is very pleasant to look at, uh, intuitive controls. It's just, it's very great. And it, it plays well with a controller, which I appreciate. Um, so yeah, it, it's a game that if you're into those types of tactics games, I'd highly recommend checking out. Um, it's 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 nice. I like it quite a bit. Um, then I played. I'll jump to Broken Lines, which is another XCOM like. This is instead military base, and I played. This is the one I played on Switch. And in contrast to Spaceland, it is very clunky to control with a controller. I I can't speak to it with a mouse and keyboard, but playing it with the Switch in both docked and handheld mode i found it clunky to navigate the world and the menus and all of that um i didn't care about the story at all but the the game is broken in that well one it looks horrible on the tv in dock mode it looks like garbage it is super jaggy it is very 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 unpleasant to look at in docked mode handheld mode it's fine but in docked mode oh god looks horrible but it's broken in that if you are playing in docked mode or in handheld mode and then move it over to docked mode or, or vice versa you know if you're if you're playing in handheld mode put it in, into the dock or vice versa it will freeze and you will lose all your progress. I learned this 
the hard way. And then I, I figured I'd see if it worked the opposite way as well. And it, it does. So if you're playing in docked mode and then take it out to play in handheld mode, frozen. And you, you'll lose everything. Playing in handheld mode, put it in the dock because you want to play it on the TV, even though it looks like shit on the TV, frozen. Um, so, yeah, that is very, very, very annoying uh, and should be fixed. I'm definitely going to be sure to mention this and hopefully they can put out something because this is the, this is not like a once in a while thing. This happened every single time I did this. So every time I would switch between because I wanted to test it out to see if, oh, maybe it's just a weird coincidence or just weird occurrence. But it's always happening, um, which doesn't help. But outside of that, I still just don't really like the game in comparison to other tactics games that are, are way more intuitive with a controller and feel better using the combat. Like just going in here and then interacting with other players and enemies. I wish it was more simplified in that, okay, the next move, I want to attack this enemy. So I just want to put my cursor over the enemy and then press the action button or whatever but all that does is tell your character to move towards the enemy so when i first started it i was like okay i'm just i'm gonna hover over the enemy i'm gonna press the button and then i'm gonna end my turn so that everything else is going to play and then i just saw my dude just run head first not doing anything towards the enemy i'm like what what is this what does he do it and instead you have to actually go to your little action bar that has your your various guns uh or just like your one gun and initiate the action which is clunky because then i I can't even remember off the top of my head how everything works control wise because it's not like okay you do you press this button to move through everything or you just go use this cursor like it's just uh, a frustrating experience then bunny parking is a weird ass game that is just a joke-ass game these bunny games this is the first that has actual achievements because i talked about bunny mahjong a little while ago and that was just i don't don't know what these games are doing but bunny parking is a game where you kick a car from one side of a parking lot to the other and there'll be cars in the way that you have to kick out of the way so that you can open up a path to do to do this and that's it it's just a weird-ass game we like other bunnies dancing in the background and the thing that's funny about it and makes it mildly enjoyable is that in the background there are things going on and anything could happen uh, and what i mean by that is that you are working in this parking lot but there is a road like a circular road not circular but you know it, it loops and cars are driving on it and there are multiple cars and if they hit each other, anything could happen. So one time, I didn't I didn't see two cars hitting each other, so I don't know if a car actually hit another car or if it hit something else. But at one point when I'm just working on pushing this car to the other side, I then see an explosion in my peripheral vision and another car flying like 30 feet in the air, its tires flying off in every direction, and then it lands in like a riverbed or something. And just there with no tires. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? What is going on? I know I'm supposed to be pushing this car. 
well, I'm supposed to be kicking this car, but did you just see that shit? Some some crazy ass shit just happened. And then another time, I saw two cars drive by each other, uh, opposing traffic, and I guess they must have grazed each other. And then one car just freaked the fuck out and like spun out of control. All four tires of it just fell off and flew in opposite directions, and then it's just laying in the middle of the street by itself. Uh, another time, one hit like an animal. It's just it's funny seeing what ludicrous nonsense happens outside of the play area but actually playing the game isn't fun and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone uh, I'm not sure if the achievements are, are very easy that could be a selling point but outside of that I'm like no it, it's silly and dumb but it's not worth buying for the stupidness of it all uh, and then the last game I played which I played for like four hours is Townsman a kingdom rebuilt which is a city building game that is incredibly boring it has a very 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 short campaign that is basically just a tutorial that teaches you how to play how to deal with various scenarios like natural disasters and enemies and stuff like that but when I finished that and messed around with the endless mode I found that and this may not be the case but it sure seems like there's not a lot of variety in terms of how things will play out and that it's a very linear creative game, which is not what you'd want out of a creative game. Like you'd want something that you can really uh, play uh, for hours and hours and hours and experience new things. But I feel like once you've experienced one session of, of building up your city and all that, you've experienced it all. Uh, but even if there is variation in, in my four hours, I just never enjoyed actually putting my city together. I found it to be very busy with all this crap going on and not always clear as to what I needed to do uh, in order to make these people happy or that people. And yeah, I just, I, I really did not enjoy the experience whatsoever. It's, a re-release of a 2012 game, I believe. I'm not sure if it was a mobile game, but it has feelings of being from that. Not to say that like everything's working off these weird timers, but it does, I don't know, give off slight mobile game vibes. But yeah, it's just really boring. And I, I don't, I, I wanted to give it a fair amount of time because games like that, City building games, strategy games, they take some time to just get accustomed to with how all the, the systems works and all that. But unlike other games, you don't really have a lot of options on how things play out because it, it is just a city building game. You're not going to be building out and like, oh, I'm going to, you're not, you're not competing against anyone essentially. So you're not like, okay, I'm going to go for a religious win, a uh not violent win a military win except you're not gonna be doing any of that you're just building up your city and the terrain will be different i guess that's how it, it'll be different but outside of that i'm just like eh, whatever uh, but that that's it in terms of what i've been playing i did watch knives out finally and the the, the 4k looks really nice it's a very good, good looking uhd and I had a lot of fun with the movie. I don't want to say too much about it because the fun of it is just seeing how everything plays out. I did figure out the majority of 
what was going to be going on early on, but it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just expecting things to play out a certain way for me. And it did, but there were still a few twists and turns and, and minute details of, of how things played out that were surprising. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, whodunit movie. And I highly recommend checking it out is very good. Ryan Johnson is a very good writer, director. He's created some of my favorite movies of the last 10 years or so. Brick is fantastic. The Brothers Bloom is fantastic. Looper's okay. The Last Jedi is very good for the most part. There's some things that I don't like that I've mentioned before. I don't I don't need to see Luke Skywalker drinking milk all nasty like and I will say like the, the thing probably that annoys me the most. One, I don't like Superman. What's her name? Princess Leia. I don't like that. That She should have just been dead there. That really bothered me. And it's not like, oh, God, they're, they're ruining the force. It's just like, what, what? When the hell did she become so powerful? And I hated that Rose despite really liking Rose, I like Rose as a character. I hated that she saved Flynn. I wanted Flynn to die, even if it ended up meaning nothing and he didn't end up stopping anything. You know, sometimes people sacrifice themselves thinking they're doing, uh, you know, something that is going to save the world. And then it doesn't do anything. And that happens in war and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be a really powerful moment where this, seemingly important character who people have grown to love over the course of almost two movies, you know, it's the near the end of a, he's going to sacrifice himself and he's actually going to die, you know, doing this. And then you're going to find out that he died for nothing, basically. Uh, and I thought that would have been a really interesting thing to do. But of course there's merchandise and all that jazz. So why are you going to do that? Uh, that was disappointing. But, um, yeah, The Knives Out is another great Ryan Johnson movie. And, yeah, I I just, I recommend it. If you don't know much about it, that's the best way to go into it. And and Daniel Craig's accent is ridiculous. Um, I I prefer, uh, of the two ridiculous accents of 2019, I still would say I prefer... What's his name? What is his name? Dread. The boy's accent. It's not Kurt Russell. It is. It's something with a K, right? Just one K. That that dude though from the boys and Dread. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> That's not it. Kurt Vonnegut. That's not it. Um, I like his accent in The Boys. I thought it was fun and silly and stupid. Anywho, that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe. Like, 
Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. If you'd like to check out the video version of Attack the Backlog or other videos I make, like reviews and whatnot, you can go over to youtube.com slash sausage and watch them there. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link, and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching and listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye!